Such an honor and a privilege to be chatting to Michael Swain. He heads up Freedom of Religion South Africa, and it's such an important conversation for us to have on this morning. Michael, thank you so much for your time, sir. Always good to be with you, Jonathan. So once again, the CRL Commission and the whole discussion around needing to regulate religion is on the table, it would seem, especially based on something that was released around the 10th of November, talking about the need for the religious sector to be regulated. What are your thoughts about this and where is it coming from? Well, it's interesting that the actual um, thing you're referring to was an SABC program called Unfiltered, and it was headlined regulation of the religious sector. And Professor Masomo was on, there was a professor from UCT, um, the minister, I think, for uh, Home Affairs, uh, Minister Aaron Mochaledi was on. And essentially the conversation was again, circling back to something which has been the CRL drum that they've been beating for the last four years or so, which was regulation of religion. And we've, I think, all, felt and thought and hoped and expected that this wouldn't be a topic of conversation anymore, uh, simply because the CRL have made their position very clear in the report that they released, the commercialization of religion and the abuse of people's belief systems, um, that the regulation of religion that they intend has to do with peer review councils or committees, which essentially ultimately will vet what is or is not acceptable in terms of religious uh, doctrine and doctrine and, and, and practice, of course, go hand in glove together. And so we, we, we basically have said right from the beginning that the church is in fact very regulated. Um, the regulations that the church lives under are the same regulations that govern the rest of society. If we meet in buildings, we have to be code compliant. If we employ people, we are under labor law. If we earn money in churches, we obviously have to pay our taxes. And we've always said, and we firmly believe, that the church and all, relig all of the religious sector, whether you're a mosque, church, whichever denomination or faith you are, you are bound by the constitution and the laws of South Africa. And you can never, of course, use um, your religious freedom, therefore, as some cloak to disguise some criminal or Ill illegal unlawful activity. But beyond that, the constitution has made it very clear, and I'll quote a couple of cases, that in the, the Lawrence case, the constitutional court said this, the essence of the concept of religion is the right to entertain such religious beliefs as a person chooses uh, and the right to declare such beliefs openly without fear or hindrance of hindrance or reprisal and the right to manifest religious belief by worship and practice or by teaching and dissemination. And again, the Prince case said that you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as um, obviously it's legal and lawful, even if your belief is bizarre, illogical or irrational. But it would seem that the CRL continued to beat this drum that somebody needs to decide what is or is not acceptable in terms of religious uh, behavior or a religious practice, so to speak. And the question there is, well, who actually decides what is acceptable or not? Um, it's very dangerous and it's very difficult. I mean, they ran a, 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 in August, they ran a webinar, for example, which was discussing the difference between like true churches and cult-like churches. But then you again start to draw distinctions as to, well, what actually makes your belief right or wrong? Uh, who, who, should, who should judge that? 
And obviously, if it's legal and lawful, we're saying that you absolutely have no right as government to interfere with mm. how people actually live out and practice their faith, whatever that faith may be. So it is a fine line, really, in my mind, and just hearing what you're saying, because of that fact that you are, from the one side, having government wanting to push and say, but we need to regulate the sector because of things like the Bushiri case and others where there has been clear abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we get this right as people of faith? Well, I mean, to take, take the Bashiri case, for example. Um, he, he is basically being charged with uh, counts for money laundering and fraud, and et cetera, for about 102 million. And he now has apparently skipped the country. He's broken his bail conditions. Uh, we have in Port Elizabeth, still in jail awaiting trial, uh, Timothy Omatosa and his wife, and they're accused of kidnapping and sex trafficking, etc. Those are criminal activities, potentially. And again, uh, I say potentially because we still do and should, I think, have the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. That's a, a fundamental concept of, of, of fairness and freedom. But given that every one of the acts that are constantly rolled out, whenever you watch a program, you'll see people eating snakes and somebody jumping up on top of somebody or spraying them in the face with doom or whatever. These are all criminal acts. They are unlawful. They are illegal. And so the laws that we have in this country are already there to deal with these situations. And we don't need additional regulation. We just need the enforcement of existing regulations. So the very issue of regulating religion itself is actually unnecessary because of the existing laws. And certainly your second big problem is, is that once you start to decide, well, what is or is not acceptable, then you start to infringe almost immediately on people's freedom of religion rights, which the Constitutional Court has already defined, as we've just mentioned. And then, of course, how do you even enforce these things? I mean, you know, are, are, they're surely unworkable. The bureaucracy, the uh, type of systems and, 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 and vetting that you would have to do uh, is, is also going to be extremely draconian in nature and highly expensive to implement. And so, you know, we, we believe that this is a situation which, albeit there are abuses committed in the name of religion, but those abuses should be dealt with by the law. And the CRL, for instance, has the power to actually activate any organ of state and recommend what courses of action they can be taken to redress any situation or issue that they find. And so they should be doing that job, we believe, and they should also then be educating people so that people don't fall into the obvious traps of charlatans and others who pose and, under the guise of religious freedom and, and take advantage of people. That's, we think, the way that this regulation should be addressed. Now, that is uh, very helpful, and uh, I trust that everybody could hear clearly what you were just saying. The line wasn't all that great, uh, so apologies if you struggled, but we're going to definitely podcast this interview and uh, make a video of it available as well. So then, as you were speaking, Michael, I was really thinking, and it really struck me, that the Bible actually deals with a lot of the issues that we're seeing. And it, I think at the heart of it, every single person who is a Christian or calls themselves a Christian needs to take whatever they hear from the pulpit, from a cell group leader, a Bible study leader, or wherever, even whatever you find online, and test it against the Bible. Absolutely. And, 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 and that would apply to any faith for that matter. But I think, I think one of the problems that we're perhaps finding is that 
government are now shifting a little bit of their focus towards the areas of, of dignity and equality within the constitution as also a, a kind of a standard to, by which to vet what they see as religious doctrine or religious belief or religious, religious practice. And, and a couple of things to raise here. One thing very interesting in the interview with Professor Masoma, uh, he was asked the question, well, is the Catholic Church unconstitutional because it has essentially male leadership? Um, the Pope is not going to be a woman anytime soon. And his analysis was very interesting. Um, it was interesting because he made an analysis in the first place, because as the chairperson of the Cultural, Religious and Linguistic Rights Commission, um, he really has no business in examining doctrine as long as that doctrine is legal and lawful. But he actually made the declaration that he felt that the Catholic Church was arguably unconstitutional, which is quite extraordinary. The, the second thing which they also addressed was the whole issue of well, what about people's dignity? What if people choose to do things which are, you know, impinge or infringe on their individual human dignity? What if they make these bad choices? What if they are gullible and fooled? And again, I think the question is, well, you know, can you and should government particularly uh, intervene and protect you from your own freedom of choice? Because that's something which, again, is fundamental to our human dignity as are, incidentally, as the Constitutional Court has said, our, our individual religious beliefs. And so, yes, mm. you may choose to take part of your money, even if it's very little money, and give it uh, to your church or your mosque or whoever it may be. And, and somebody might look at that and say, well, that's a silly, foolish thing to do. But again, how can you stand in judgment over someone? And if you do, then what else are you going to start to prevent people from doing? I mean, frankly, if, if, if you look at uh, things like the lottery, for example, and casinos, mm. I mean, you would think that government would shut those down first and foremost, because there's definitely uh, gullibility involved in that type of thing. But mm. not wanting to be facetious, but government simply cannot and should not start to dictate to people when it comes to their freedom of choice and certainly not their freedom in terms of what they believe. Mm, so, so important. Well, obviously, the year is winding down government and its different departments are, so to speak, winding down. So I imagine this is something we're going to be talking about again in 2021. And hopefully we I'm can do it in so, person. <laughs> I'm afraid that, well, look, at the beginning of this year, there were actually two days of hearings uh, before the uh, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Parliamentary Portfolio Committee, and we were there for that. And there were supposed to be two more days, and those got adjourned, obviously, because of the COVID crisis, and, and obviously has been superseded by the other crises that we face as a nation. But I, I do believe that this will come around again. And again, I just think that the faith community needs to be ready for it, and we need to be ready with basically the responses that have already been given to government, because this is not a new thing. And I think that as soon as we start to concede or as soon as we start to see areas where government is starting to come in and wanting to sort of look underneath and say, well, is your organization acceptable? Is what you believe acceptable? Is how you're running your operation uh, in terms of your own e ethos that you have built and that people have agreed to and believe? That starts to be very infringing upon religious freedom rights. And I think we just have to be prepared to again engage in this debate in 2021. So true, so true. Again, for people who might want to just 
follow the conversation further and so forth, they can do so obviously by going onto the website, which is www.forsa.org.za. That's F-O-R-S-A.org.za. Michael Swain, always great chatting to you. Thank you for your time. And we wish you and the rest of the people at 4SA all the best. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless you too.